0: Hello, and welcome to French Football Weekly, where we're doing another duet podcast, as I am Philippa B, and I'm joined by Jeremy Smith. Hi, Jez. Hello. With the rest of the team unavailable. I don't know, possibly they're just watching the matches, but uh, we <laughs> hope to have more of them back with us um, back with us uh, next week. But we've got two group games to look back over. France beating Peru 1-0, and then drawing 0-0 against Denmark to top the group and set up a round of 16 meeting against Argentina. So we're going to take things in in kind of uh, temporal order, as it were. So we're going to start with the Peru game, uh, which saw a couple of changes from the 4-3-3 we saw in the first match against Australia. Giroud came in up top and we had Matuidi kind of out left wing-ish in a kind of nominal 4-2-3-1 um, just, do you think that the that change worked after some of the the reservations we had about how things went in the first game
1: um i think the the Giroud change definitely worked um you know we've we've all gone over so many times his strengths his uh weaknesses or not necessarily his weaknesses but um what him being there takes away from the team but i think Um, the Peru match was a very good example of what he brings to the team. Um, I think we saw against Australia that there's a tendency, although it's all very fast and exciting um, with the front three, there's a tendency for them to basically run around a little bit like headless chickens. Um, I mean, certainly it's starting to look like I've got a vendetta against him. I really don't, but I think Dembele particularly sort of has a, a bit of a lack of control. And I just, I really think that Giroud being there, I'm not convinced that he entirely slows down the game. Or if Mm. he does, I don't think it's such a bad thing because, you know, head down, zoom to the byline, but nothing at the end of it isn't useful. Having someone to hold the ball up and have quick people sort of orbit around him is useful. Mm. Um, And, you know, Peru will come to Denmark and, you know, that maybe shows. Giroud's limitations a bit, but against the Peruvian defence, which I think I read was something like... Quite small? Yeah, I think it was an average of 17 centimetres shorter per person than than Denmark's. Um, It was, you know, Giroud reveled in that. He was winning everything in the air, a couple of knockdowns um, that Griezmann arguably should have scored from. It was his shot, which maybe was going in any way that, that Mbappe put away for the winner. Um, and not only that, he he pressed brilliantly, I thought, and you know came up with a couple of important defensive headers as well. Which again, I don't think you're going to get Dembele doing. Mm. Um, so I think that one was was a very good change. And again, I I do understand why. Some people would prefer not to have him in the team, and I think it, it does depend you know ma- match to match basis but mm. um I think you know that was a really good showcase for why he's important when he plays and then Mattwezzi again, I understand the call mm. um, i think I th-
0: it it felt to me like I understand the call, but playing him in left wing maybe isn't the right call once you've decided to use him. Because he did seem to be obviously not playing in as wingery a fashion as Mbappe, which is, you know, fairly obvious. But it did kind of seem to leave him a bit um uh what's I want to say boncal, which is wonky. Um, a little <sighs> unbalanced on the two sides that one wing was doing a slightly different job than the other wing, if you see what I mean.
1: I think that's possibly I think people are starting to say that's the big issue with with, um, with Deschamps' squad at the moment. And, um, you know, it's not entirely Deschamps' fault that Lamar still hasn't really turned up. And we'll talk about that more later. But it feels like on the right, there's a lot of naturally right wingers and, you know, mm. Tovar isn't even getting a look in at the moment. Yeah. Whereas on the left, you know, it's, it's really unclear. There's no one kind of putting their hands up and saying, this is my spot. So mm. Matuidi, I thought, you know, in terms of leadership, not that mm. necessarily, I can't necessarily see it on the pitch, but by all accounts, he's, a bit of a leader, which I think France is really lacking. So, possibly helped in that regard. And he, was the, he is the kind of person that is just going to run his heart out all day. And so, you, know, you can rely on him to hopefully sort of support the attack, but also come back and, and support the defense, which I think is important against Peru, particularly if they had a very fast breaking right winger and fullback. Um, but he didn't really do much at all on the day maybe because he's slightly out you know not entirely match fit hasn't played for a while i don't know but um again he didn't really take his chance i don't think so um yeah i think that's still i wouldn't come to it and i wouldn't be surprised if he still starts against argentina but it's not an entirely obvious move there, were, there was talk about how he played in that position, I think, for PSG against Arsenal and played very mm. well, and I think he's played there for Juventus as well. So it wasn't completely mm. sort of out of nowhere that Deschamps came up with that, but it's certainly not his ideal position, and you know, him having to play there isn't ideal for France.
0: Mm. I think looking at it, it was a 1-0 win, and it kind of, in a sense, it looks very tight. Um, I didn't actually see the, the second half of this, unfortunately. Um, but looking at the um, the XG uh, from a kind of geeky point, if you're looking at both Elf Tegen Elf and Mike Cayley's um, interpretation of this game, they both came out at kind of 1.9 for France versus 0.3 for Peru. So it was like, if it had been 2-0, it wouldn't have been kind of a surprise so they maybe didn't do themselves um, quite as much justice in the finishing department as as the chances they created um, implied as you said you know the 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 olive chance that the Griezmann possibly could have could have put away so I think we were feeling okay after that two wins out of two marvellous only need a point against Denmark uh, to go through and I think
1: sorry just quickly on the Peru the second half basically was it was pretty much all Peru, but apart from one fantastic shot which, which came off the, the stanchion. Is it called stanchion? Mm. Um either I think in the corner of the place, the bar, whatever it's called. Um uh it was pretty comfortable for France. And so it still sort of left a uh not a bad taste, but a, another sort of a or nervous white, feeling. Well, a kind of you know i hope that this is all energy preservation but why are we energy preserving I mean, okay mm. to a point but it can't be that easy to suddenly switch it on when it comes to the knockout stages so yeah. still a little bit uneasy yeah and, and then denmark
0: talking <laughs> of energy preservation which now it was one of the some people were saying oh yeah they're gonna kind of uh, do a biscotti agree to come to a come to a draw, which would put them both through and therefore hammer Australia's chances of getting past Denmark, yada, yada, yada. It was nil-nil. It was pretty terrible. But do we think that... You're never going to say they're deliberately not going to bother trying to score. It looked more like things weren't working and no, because there was no tension, nobody could kind of get the adrenaline up and going. But that was a really weird watch for quite a long time. And then the Mbappe and Fekir substitutions, you did wonder if possibly they hadn't got the memo because they started trying to do stuff and it started working more. Um, So we had um, Giroud up front again. We had Lamar starting for the first time on the left wing as the only actual left winger in the team. Um, Dembele on the right, Griezmann behind Olive and, uh, the central two was Kante and Stephen Zonzi, which I think we had been talking about as a, you know, a good, a good idea. Having Zonzi being there more as the holder allowing Kante to, you know, barrel forward a bit more, but it just didn't look like it worked at all. Do you think it was just a lack of pressure or was that troubling? Uh,
1: uh... I'm hoping the first. I'm mm. tending towards the second. Yeah. First of all, like before we get on to France, I do you know the the um. I think it was ITV. The punditry certainly at halftime. I didn't watch the full-time punditry. Was all about slating France. France didn't in, really didn't have anything to play for. Denmark arguably did until it was 2-0 up, they you know, if France had nicked a goal and Australia had had won, they were out. And beating France, firstly would have made a statement and secondly would have given them first place in the in the table. So I actually do think there was people are saying, well, because France had all the you know all the shackles off or could be completely relaxed, the onus is on them to attack. I think mean, that's rubbish. The onus should really have been on Denmark. And I've rarely seen a team play so negatively. I think I read that since, since they beat Ireland in the playoffs, they've scored four and conceded one. I mean, that smacks of don't, don't pay to come and watch us if you want to see any entertainment.
0: I did, they did. Um, the start, they seemed to have a go. Braithwaite got in amongst it a couple of times. The same move several times, pretty much what? trying to do a little. Basically, kind
1: of, a- attack in Pembe.
0: <laughs> a little trot over the ball, the right of there, and then kind of fall over. Um, yeah. But we knew that Denmark have got a very solid defence. Simon Kier, obviously, was at, was at Lille they 're very solid performers back there they 've got Schmeichel in goal, etc, so in a sense, having watched the Australia match where their defence was very organized and and caused France some problems, you knew that Denmark were going to be in a sense a bit the same but better, yeah. and whether they were hoping to go on fast breaks or whatever they were planning i don 't know, but it seemed like as you say they weren't really uh, their hearts didn 't appear to be to be in it. I do, I, it seemed like the two kind of approaches almost cancelled each other out and hence we were left with a nil-nil and not just that but again checking the XG, both of them Elfdig and Elf and Kaylee, both have kind of 0.3 or 4 for France and 0.1 for Denmark 0.1 is a bad bad XG score, it's like um, it was nothing, it was a nothing of, of any note happened in an attacking fashion and that's that is, as you say, kind of hoping it was energy preservation, but that does look a bit more worrying, given that it was the kind of setup that you'd hope would have suited that match. Lamar, an actual left winger on the left wing, Olive up front. In a sense,
1: I'm, I'm sort of, the first half there was a bit more action on mm. both sides, and then the second half was horrific. Yeah. In a sense, I'm a little bit more worried about the first half, because I do think, possibly not 100% all out but I do think France were trying a bit and there still wasn't too much going on. I I think Nzonzi and uh although um and Zanzi got a game I think him playing in a 2 with Kante is not particularly positive so I don't yeah. I don't I mean to me that that selection suggests that Deschamps wasn't too bothered whatsoever about showing any kind of Mm. Um, intent. Possibly it was just to give Nzonzi some game time maybe yeah. ahead of playing him as a as the sitting midfielder in a midfield three. I don't think I mean, I think he's very and good for sit-
0: getting a rest, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think Nzonzi's very good as a as the sitting midfielder and can't do anything else whereas Kante can do both. Mm. So I, I wouldn't have, I would never have Nzonzi in a two um, but I think he, he could be useful in a three. Mm. Um, so that one, I don't think bode, boded well in terms of boded, bade, whatever. Mm, in bide. terms of feud, <laughs> um, we'll go with that. Um, in terms of yeah, what, how France are going to play. But then, what's frustrating is you know there's a lot of players sort of you know in France they call them les coiffeurs because they're they're there mainly to to do the hair of the other players unless your name are and you bring your own two hairdressers. But um, they're players who aren't necessarily going to... There's a few that they know they're not going to get much of a chance. You know, mm. Tovan, poor thing, doesn't seem like he's going to get any chance whatsoever. Others will maybe get a substitute appearance or whatever. This is the one match where they could have, at best, made a, a claim to to get into the first team. At worst, you know, at least have fun you're at the world Mm. cup give it a go so there were a few frustrating performances Lamar in the first half I thought um his movement was good and I thought he he kind of created some good pockets of space for himself but then kept turning inside rather than you just wanted him to just I know it kind of goes a little bit against what I said earlier about Dembele but attack the attack the defense do Mm. something because he kept turning in and passing it backwards um so that, that was the frustrating thing. Sidibe, who I think everyone knows what I think about him, he had more touches than any other French player. If you're looking at him to be the, the playmaker, there's, there's, there's concerns there, I think. Mm. And um, I think
0: one, one thing that was a positive was, as I say, when Mbappe came on, but also when Fekir came on, he kind of looked like he was rolling his sleeves up and going right, getting stuck in. I mean, he's not going to get much chance either, but he possibly did himself some some good with that that performance. I think so. I think, um,
1: I can't remember if he's come on in both of the other two matches, but Uh... I feel like he's made a difference, a bit of a difference, every time he's come on. Mm.
0: He came on against Peru, definitely.
1: So Peru, I think he was very good at holding the ball against Peru. Because, like I said, second half was all them, and it, and France kept losing possession. He was good at holding it, and even if it was just winning fouls and you know getting free kicks and using up a bit of time, I thought he was good at that. This match, I just I thought he was, you know, he showed more intent, more spark, more everything than any other player on the pitch put together probably within 30 seconds of coming on and having one shot Mm. so that that was great to see and I do again he's 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 not a a winger he doesn't like playing um on the flank even though he's done it before but seeing as Lamar didn't take his chance seeing as Matuidi doesn't look comfortable there I think Fekir maybe could play his way into the team I'd certainly have him in and um I had on lecky before each match they they, they give you a, a chance to pick your team for the next match he's in um he's in the sort of aggregate um viewer or readers team and he's in the the two experts that they've picked for this one he's in both mm-hmm. their teams so you know possibly if he's more comfortable on the right put him on the right and Bappe on the left i know it's not great that Mbappe mm. keeps shifting from the centre to the right to the left but and again there's possibly going to be the issue of um everyone sort of congregating in the middle but mm. that's which is what happen. we saw against
0: Australia which kind of didn't
1: yeah but as, as long as as long as you don't have those wide players Dembele mm. I don't think is comfortable on the left even though it's sort of fitting with him um kind of cutting inside which he likes mm. to do um Maybe it's, it's worth a try. Uh, Griezmann's not going to be dropped, even though his form is, is really concerning. So maybe find a way to get Fekir in there as well. Mm. I know we shouldn't be experimenting at the knockout stage of a of World Cup, but it hasn't worked so far. And, yeah. You know, this has happened, you know, Ribery only really got, his, got into the France team in the second round against Spain by having a great performance there. Um, Sissoko... in in the euro you know for all the criticism of him frankly he probably was france uh, griezmann aside he probably was france's best player at the knockout stages and he forced his way in again during the knockout stages so it's not ideal but you know Mm. need to be pragmatic and find a way
0: to win and so we've got argentina coming up on on saturday Argentina have had a bit of a tournament, haven't they? I mean, bloody hell. Um, (laughs) So they're they're through as the second um, in Group D uh, after beating Nigeria 2-1 with uh, one of those kind of late goals from Marcus Rojo, which I think gave an entire country a bit of a uh, coronary. They
1: have not looked... It certainly certainly almost gave one person.
0: Yeah, oh, that man. Um, (laughs) So... Obviously, they've looked extremely shaky. Um, They apparently aren't talking to their manager. Mascherano is apparently managing the team. He played most of the match against Nigeria with blood pouring out of his face and nobody saying anything about it. Um, I'm gutted for Nigeria because I think they played really well. And, yeah. Um,
1: As an aside, by the way, hmm. I think if you're... So incompetent that you cause your own handball. That should be a penalty, anyway.
0: <laughs> okay, my 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 worry is that Argentina will pull themselves together for Saturday, and if they do that, France are in trouble. What do you think the chances are of, the, of them doing that? It seems like you cannot predict what they're going to do from one moment to the next. What is the best way for France to set up? to stop them as you say is it the Fekir is it a 4-3-3 that's
1: I mean that's my you can't play
0: as- a 4-3-3 and have Fekir and Griezmann
1: no I think I mean, that's definitely my worry with Argentina as well though arguably Argentina may be worried that France will pull themselves together yeah Um. I also thought after Cross's goal Sweden, Germany would pull themselves together so it doesn't necessarily follow that they'll do that. The problem is that I think defensively and for quite a bit of their midfield, they are very poor but in players like Messi and Aguero, they're just so brilliant that you, know, you really need to keep an eye on them um, so this game, I think, you know, could be fantastic. It could be absolutely terrible. Um, it could go any way, and I am very, very worried about it. I'd much yeah. rather have been facing Nigeria or Iceland. I think, I think Deschamps will stick with the four-two-three-one, which a lot of people are, are saying, is basically a four-four-two anyway. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he went. Um, Four three three, just maybe for a little bit more security in the centre of the pitch. If he was to do that, like I've said before, I'd quite like to see Nzonzi holding mm. Kante and Pogba further forward. I don't think he would do that, though. I think he would go Kante holding Pogba, and I think he'd go Matuidi. My second option would be to have Tolisso, but I don't mm. think Deshaun will do that. Um, Again, France definitely have the capability to win this um, because they, they have the capability to hurt Argentina's midfield and attack. But something has to click, which hasn't been yet. And it's not, certainly in terms of Griezmann and all that's happened around Griezmann, it's not just that you know yesterday they weren't trying Peru second half they weren't trying in the little moments when they were and I did think Griezmann looked a bit more energetic yesterday at least than other matches. just nothing's coming off all his little flicks and everything, so the hope is that at some point they will start and mm. you know i don't I'm not sure he completed a pass to Giroud yesterday which which is which is a big concern
0: yeah and Just another thing um, on the defence. Obviously, Mandanda played against Denmark, which you have to think was him being given his first big tournament appearance. Having played, been on the kind of the France books for ten years, um, I think he'd never played a game at a big tournament before. So that was kind of a nice thing to do. We presuming even even then, he
1: I think he had two things to do, and I don't mm, think he covered himself in glory in either of them. But
0: Either way, we'd expect, obviously, Loris to come back um, yeah. on Saturday. Um, there was a change with Umtiti dropping out for Kimpembe in the centre-back department. I think it was sensible to give Kimpembe some time. I think, again, he didn't have a great deal to do, but um, did it adequately, I think. Um, so the question there is, if I presume Titi is fit he would come back in for, for the Argentina game. So the question then is the fullbacks, because Hernandez, yeah. see, he seemed to be taken off injured uh, to be replaced by Mendy. And obviously Sidibe come in after Pavar played um, previously. So I would tend towards Pavard, um in this game as being the slightly more defensively minded guy who's slightly more reliable. But um, if Mendy's fit, Mendy. Um, How do you see that, the back four selection going?
1: If Hernandez is fit, I'd go Hernandez. Um, Again, it wasn't entirely, it wasn't the best match to, to, you know, Mendy only played the second half, so it's Mm. difficult to tell because it was that match. Whether how fit he is, but I, I mean, for me, Conte aside, I think um, Hernandez has been my my French player of the World Cup so far. Arguably, he hasn't got a huge amount of competition, but I've I've been really impressed with him. Crossing not great, diving a bit annoying, but mm-hmm. in terms of intensity, um, both in attack and defence, I've been really impressed with him. Um, the closest France got to scoring yesterday was was. Um, nice move between him and Giroud so I would go for him like I said a couple of weeks ago I I, you know I really like Mendy I really feel sorry for him but I just think he's still possibly a little bit short Mm. um yesterday doing some good and if Hernandez is injured I don't have too many worries about Mendy and then on the right Pava looked a little shaky in the two matches but generally I think not too bad and Mm. I agree with you, I think the most important, especially if you're facing you know, Di Maria Messi. You know who. Yeah, yeah, you you want someone Back who's away better away. in defence. For me, it's still a fullback, even in today's game, should be able to defend first and attack second. And I don't think Sidibe can.
0: Mm. I, mean, I watched um, yesterday's match we had there. Uh, my work has taken the approach that accommodation is the best form of defense basically so um the france, ga- <laughs> the france games are being kind of streamed onto uh the big screen we've got up in the kitchen and so we're all sitting around there's like you know two dozen engineers tapping away on their computers trying to fix things while keeping an eye on the game and yeah you know, the second half we'd opened the we we'd open the wine in the fridge and we're just kind of swearing uh quite a lot Uh, about that so I won't get to watch uh, the the next match with uh, with my colleagues which is possibly a good thing or a bad thing depending on you know how much uh, kind of French nihilism you can take at any one moment um do we think they'll do it I mean it it's a complete toss of the coin for me at the moment because France have been jittery Argentina have been jittery I mean, like you say, it could be a brilliant game or it could be utterly terrible. Um, what on earth do we think is going to happen?
1: Um, with my... We you know that I'm naturally pessimistic. So mm-hmm. I'm expecting Argentina to suddenly click. Um, but have it,
0: have he, your a Mascherano 89th minute in off his arse? Something like that.
1: <laughs> something like I mean, the way he played yesterday, I'd, I'd be i will be very happy if he turns out. Like you said, he's managing, but he doesn't look like a player manager at the moment. Um, I, yeah, re- it's really 50-50 for me because we clearly haven't seen the best of either team. Um, you know, Argentina, it's not just a failure to launch in the World Cup because they, they really scraped into the World Cup and it was completely down to Messi. The thing is that it's Messi. Mm. so he can win matches by himself Um, and France obviously weren't necessarily fantastic during during the qualifying either so um, yeah 50-50 my pessimistic self is saying somehow Argentina will click even if it's a dire 0-0 and they'll win on penalties Loris is not good on penalties Mm. Um, yeah I'll have to see
0: oh dear no, I think we're feeling. Uh, yeah. It feels like we should be being more positive, but I'm just really, really nervous right now, and also thinking that Uruguay Portugal would just be a massive punch-up um, in, in the other game on that on that front. Um, yeah,
1: I think that um, the the players are talking a very good game. Spirit mm. seems good, which is it's not a change. I think people overdo the thing about. bad bad spirit in Fran- france camps there's just been a couple of very bad incidents but mm. generally it's not so bad it's and, when you know, they're, they're
0: bad they're re- really really bad
1: yeah yeah and they're all sort of singing from the hymn sheet the same hymn sheet about you know things will will improve and mm. you know we in are going four languages
0: in in pogba's case I yeah saw that
1: yeah. <laughs> wonderful you know, clip we're not getting that from we didn't get that from germany we didn't get that from um uh, we haven't had that from Argentina even though they've qualified so I'm hoping in that sense maybe that they are onto something mm. um, and you know with the, for all the criticism of France they qualified comfortably while playing badly Spain and Portugal have had their struggles Germany are out Argentina have had their struggles Brazil unfortunately have just gone a goal up but haven't looked superb either and um, so you know France certainly aren't alone in this mm. so it's up to all these teams to step up in the next rounds and yeah. Um, I think in just, order for France to sort of deserve it, they they, they need to do that. But I, I just think Deschamps playing a dangerous game because the fact is that, you know, all these people saying we want to see great football. The French the neutral's fine. The French people say that I think that's bollocks. I think they'd rather bad football and win the thing yeah. than <laughs> um, you know, noble no knocking out. And at this stage it's great to laud all the small clubs who are playing nice football but you know there's a lower sort of threshold for what you expect from them so it's easier to, to be impressed by it by what they're doing um it's now that the serious stuff happens, and France really needs to kick into gear. Mm. If we carry on playing badly but win the thing, Deschamps will still have a reasonable legacy intact. If we play this badly all the way through and lose in this match or quarterfinals, whatever, then no one's going to be so forgiving with him.
0: Yeah, and just looking at the the tournament as a as a whole is, I'm flabbergasted. Some people are saying, "Oh, it's a shit World Cup." No, it's not. It's fabulous. It's complete chaos. I wasn't watching the matches earlier in the the, the group F shenanigans, but I was trying to follow it on Twitter and it was like, I watched a football match recently at a a, a kind of an art exhibition, uh, which was four teams playing simultaneously. And that was basically what my Twitter timeline looked like with everybody talking about you know, if we do this, it's going to go down to who's got the biggest feet to to work out who 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 gets the the second spot or something. It's been it's been great, I think. And seeing like Iran coming so close, I'm so cross that they've gone. And like I say, Nigeria coming so close, and you know Saudi Arabia are actually pulling themselves together at one point. You know, there's been a quite a lot of unexpected results, but we still seem to have ended up before today with kind of the teams you'd expect to come out of each group. So today with Germany going out was the really big kind of swipe of the tournament. So we'll have to see what happens. Obviously, um, England, Belgium are already through, but group H is is another kind of piece of chaos waiting to happen. So I think it's been brilliant. Uh,
1: I'll be honest, I'm a little bit on the other side. Um, I mean, it's been good in the sense that there's been surprises and tension, but I... I goals! Mostly there's been th-
0: goals and penalties.
1: Oh, I think the quality of the football's been mostly really poor. Oh, I don't
0: know. Oh, but, and penalties,
1: you know, yeah, I don't think penalties should... You know, Harry Kane's going to finish Golden Boot because of um, set pieces and penalties. That's not exciting for me.
0: Oh, jeez. I must be—I must be an old romantic. I don't know. I just get excited at tournaments. Whatever. It's just nil-nil's with nobody trying to actually score a fucking goal that annoys me. So we'll hope for no more of that. That France Denmark will not just be the first nil-nil of the tournament, but the last nil-nil of the tournament, and therefore get themselves a footnote in Wikipedia on the page for the tournament. Um, but otherwise, we are hoping for goals, chaos, and. France to prevail in their, their 50-50 coin toss against, uh, against Argentina on Saturday. So we'll be back next week uh, to look at that, whatever the hell happened and hopefully uh, who they're going to be playing in the next game. So cross your fingers, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. If you have any questions, do send them in on Twitter or in the comments under the article. And uh, we hope to have a full compliment uh, back next week to discuss that. So from me and from Jez, it's butter. <laughs> okay.